0: Guys, our wrestling podcast back at you with another episode. This is Craig, the British Bulldog, along with Jess, the Total Package, and Cuz, Joe, cause. and Dave are off this week. And we're bringing you our God. perspective, right? Screw those Thank guys. God, finally, Dave's bringing off. Bringing you Jesus. our perspective on the world of professional wrestling, Gross. no inside sources, no ties to the industry. God, Dave is so much better than this. Just stories from the <laughs> diehard sharing opinions we need with you. Back, you. Someone feed me today's topic, please, because I've never done this before. Hey we are yo. going
1: to do... Oh, go ahead, Kaz. Sorry, what did you I say said, there? A little soundbite? Hey, yo. <laughs> We're going to do the legacy
2: of Scott Hall. Oh. And you people know who he is, but you don't know why he's here. <laughs> oh, that's fucked up. Never mind. For audio
0: fans, <laughs> give us a listen on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Google Podcast. Or watch our videos. Please watch our videos on YouTube at Our Wrestling Channel. Social media, give us a follow on Instagram or Twitter at OWP2019. Facebook at Our Wrestling Podcast. All right. This is a tough one. This is a new one. This is relevant. This threw everything kind of for a loop. With the passing of our our good friend and icon, Scott Hall. I'm glad we're doing this. It's, It's timely. Um... So, and by the way, I've it's not a, it's not a quest for for clicks either because you know what I've actually enjoyed this past week since he passed is reading all these think pieces on him and watching all these clips and I'm actively rooting for them. So, so someone out there, I hope you're searching on YouTube and I hope you you fondly listen to this and because uh, it's relevant and timely and enjoy it. Our perspective on him. Dude, there was stuff it, that I
1: saw this whole week that I had forgotten about yes. or I didn't even know even happened like with him. Um. So yeah. So. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump right in here. We'll do the early life first. Scott Oliver Hall was born on October the 20th of 1958 in St. Mary's County in Maryland. Uh, he grew up as an army brat and moved once every year before he was 15 that's, years old. That's, that's pretty not true. He was from Miami. He was from Cuba and yeah. Miami.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: he attended high school in Munich, Germany. West Germany, which is kind of crazy as well. Um, in 1983, after wrestling a gun away... From a man in an altercation outside of a nightclub in Orlando, Florida, Hall was charged with second-degree murder after shooting the man with his own gun. According to Hall, this was done in self-defense. The charges were dropped due to lack of evidence. And in a 2011 interview on ESPN, Scott Hall said he was unable to forget the incident. I only throw that in there because that was part of his early life. And as we get into his professional wrestling career and start identifying Scott Hall as we knew him as we started growing up as Diamond Stud razor ramon scott hall nwo um this i really believe this and they did talk about this in documentaries about him that this haunted him for his whole life oh yeah um i don't know how different his life would have been if he didn't do that you know taking somebody else's life even if you're doing it in self-defense even if you're in war it doesn't matter it's got to do something to you yeah uh or an accident accident. yeah Yeah. i mean and and apparently
0: this is um um the, the the guy he shot was his boss at the strip club or bar who and he was dating his 19 year old wife so he actually did have a relationship with him. it was more than just like a guy that pulled a gun on him there was mm-hmm. a bigger mm-hmm. story wow. than that Fuck, so that's crazy. but regardless so, of that like yeah you take a man's life but if, of course it was self someone's gonna pull a gun on you it's all bets are off after that yeah, so exactly so yeah you mean, exactly. Never, you, you want to never be one to live to tell the tale
1: for sure uh, his early professional wrestling career Hall began his career in 1984 at the National Wrestling Alliance's Florida Territory uh, in championship wrestling from Florida and soon began to feud with Dusty Rhodes of all people right away um, he was impressive to well, we're going to talk about his physique and stuff here he looked totally different than what we knew him as he had like a he long ish hair but it was way more curly and he had a big old handlebar mustache but he was a big motherfucker he was, he was like six, 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 seven. Gotta be walking around muscular, oh, near three hundred pounds. Like the guy was a big yeah. motherfucker. He was huge. He just come out. Um, well, Jim,
2: you know, uh tonight I'm that, gonna get yeah. out there. And- yeah. Yeah, the it's I so got, funny hearing that, that's his voice not a like, Scott Hall,
1: because that's good. <laughs> that is really good, and it's. Uh, I'll put in clips or too of his, the other for night. his interviews and stuff. But I was watching a lot of interviews of him, and it's so funny to not hear him with the Razor Ramon effect, yes, or the thing. Yeah. or just the Scott Hall effect, like. He was just talking like a regular baby. He's like, You know, we're all real charged up out here and we're ready to go. Yeah. And I was like, that's so weird hearing his voice say stuff like
3: that.
2: Anyone survive that bulldog move of yours? Well, that's right, Larry.
3: You know, I've been real successful with it so far. Every time I've done it so far, it's been one, two, three. And like, like you said, Tom Stone's a veteran. He's been around for a long time. He's a tough competitor. He gave me all
2: I can handle tonight. Let's talk about and these fans uh, are going to he- find out tonight. And, uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He and Dan Spivey trained together in Florida, mainly under Rhodes, but also yeah, under right. Mike Rotundo and Barry Wyndham. Uh, when it was time for the two to, de- to debut as a tag team, Rhodes sent them to work in Jim Crockett's Charlotte, North Carolina-based territory. They debuted as American Starship. What, what are we doing? Um, Hall Starship under the ring name Starship Coyote and Spivey under the ring name Starship Eagle. They were mainly jobbers. Oh my god! You don't say. Yeah, I really.
0: Saw- oh really are you sure uh- <laughs> they, they weren't PWI Tag Team of the Year for
3: That's-
1: American <laughs> Starship <laughs>
0: now That's we go awesome. into a little bit now we're starting
1: to get hot and heavy here the That's american wrestling athlete. association the awa uh scott hall joined the american wrestling association in 1985 where he wrestled as magnum scott mm. hall and later big scott hall
0: so he was a baby i didn't, know he, there. Was call- I didn't know he was called magnum but when i was oh, looking oh, look at that that I, did of this. So I did know this yeah i remember him as magnum, he's perfect uh, magnum TA. I, like he was magnum ta <laughs> they wanted be magnum ta after magnum ta like he was he, he looked like, like yes. tom Selleck more than magnum ta did
2: he did Yes,
1: yeah, and it's so, you know, that never works. You know, WWF tried it later. They would just put the word new in front of something, and then that was supposed to revitalize it. The, the new, new blackjacks, The new Rockers. Like, yeah. It never works. It never works, but it's just so funny reading back here in 1985 in a non-Vince McMahon promotion, you still have promoters being like, you know what, he kind of looks like Magnum. Let's call yeah. him Magnum Scott Hall, or not. <laughs> like, how about we don't do that? Like, we don't draw any attention you know what? Let's at call all. him
2: Bulk Baron yeah <laughs> let's call him let's call him Mulch bob selick Hulk rogan is <laughs> <Mulch Rogan. laughs> it hulk hogan yeah yeah <laughs> oh you don't
1: know, you don't like magnum let's call yeah. it bob selick <laughs> no yeah, let's Bob's- not do that either we're not even hot at this point uh, <laughs> verd Ganya the owner and promoter of the awa wanted to push hall the same to the same heights as hulk hogan following hulk hogan's departure there you go. bitter much uh, as hogan left for vince mcmahon's world wrestling federation never um, heard of it again no how about no scott like why are we doing this like why <laughs> they want to they want to name him after someone who he looks like or when someone leaves the territory they're like we're gonna make it like hogan yeah uh it, uh, uh Vern even had hall use mannerisms
2: and moves similar to hogan
1: <sighs> what are we doing for scott hall you know well, what you it's know it's something
2: it's- brothers <laughs> all these holomaniacs <laughs> <of> tonight <laughs>
1: Uh, Hall also traveled to Japan, where he wrestled several matches for New Japan Pro Wrestling. All the greatest wrestlers go to Japan. I've said it before. Mm -hmm. Uh, He did that between 1987 and 1990. Um, Hall formed a tag team with the more experienced at the time friend, Kurt Henning, uh, who we've never heard of after this. Just kidding. uh, Whom he would later credit for cultivating his early professional wrestling career. Uh, Amen to that, Kurt Henning. Um, I did watch a video too, actually in, uh, kind of brushing up on all things, Scott Hall this week too, where he was sitting in front of his TV and he was watching a, uh, this was a few years ago where he was paying tribute to Kurt Henning. I don't know if it was an anniversary of his death day or something like that. Uh, but he was really talking about how like Kurt really influenced his career and he taught him almost everything he knew. And Kurt told him how to slow down on the ring and get your mannerisms and your expressions and all that stuff. And so that was kind of a cool thing to watch. So Kurt Henning, a huge, huge, uh, uh, influence on Scott Hall's early career, especially.
3: You and Kurt to the top of the tag team ratings. Well, that's what we're after, Ken. We're on our way to the top. We know there's a lot of good competition here in the AWA, and that's what we're after. The Freebirds, you know, they're high-flying team. They call themselves the Fabulous Freebirds, but well, we call ourselves the Dream Team. Freebirds, gear up. We think we're going to give you more than you can handle. Fabulous Freebirds, take a good, hard look at what you. Got. All right, wrestling fans, remember that Kurt had a big right, Scott Hall. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
1: Um. That tag team defeated Jimmy Garvin and Steve Regal. No, not that Steve Regal for the no. AWA World Tag Team Championship on January the 18th, 1986, in a 58 minute match in Albuquerque, New Mexico. <laughs> no, Let me tell you. you why that's fucking hilarious. It never happened. So I went back and researched the title change on there, and I found another match where they defeated in a non title bout. They defeated Jimmy Garvin and Steve Regal, but it was non title. Then I go back and I look when they actually won it on Wikipedia. I was looking at the history and the notes on the side said it was a match that never happened. So they just said it happened in Albuquerque, New Mexico. That happened a lot back in the day, by the way, just, where shit just, just didn't happen. Rio yeah. de Janeiro happened everywhere yeah, Rio de Janeiro. Um, because uh, Stephen Regal left the promotion without losing the titles. So kind of right in the middle of their program. So they're like, fuck, let's just lie and say that there was a match that happened.
3: Has erupted.
1: Erupted. Sellout... And let's say it was 58 minutes, and let's say it was
0: in Albuquerque, New Mexico. It's just bad for the sport, you know? <laughs> no, good. It That's makes it seem deleted. like it's not legitimate, you know what I mean? Let's yeah, these those. fake yeah. matches.
1: So they were. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Scott Hall gets his first major goal here, because AWA, a lot of people don't remember it. AWA was a really, really big deal in the 80s, uh, especially early to mid-80s. Uh, after that title reign ended hall would challenge Stan Hansen and Rick Martel at different times for the Ooh. AWA heavyweight championship and losing efforts. Although Vern wanted to put the belt on hall hall hated the cold, hall hated the cold weather in the territory, which was Minnesota and recognized AWA as a sinking ship in 1989. And he left for the NWA pretty smart call there on Mr. Hall's part. Uh, NWA WCW. Now we get into Hall was brought into NWA championship wrestling territory by Jim Ross in 1989 um, of as course. part of the NWA's initiative to start to develop young stars. You know,
0: it's pretty body. It's, really, it's really fun. We
1: need to get some young yeah, studs really in here. Uh,
0: yeah, Jim maybe. Ross
1: will. Jim Ross would ultimately be credited as as being head of talent relations in the WWF later during the Attitude Era. And absolutely, like his vision came to fruition when he brought, he was responsible for for bringing in the Mick Foley's, the Vader's, uh, Steve Austin, all those guys in. Because he really, Rocky, (laughs) uh, Rocky, uh, he brought in. Um, It was just, you know, it's so funny. Jim Ross was trying to do it even back here and WCW didn't even know who they had working for them not only just the greatest play-by-play of all time but somebody who really knew young talent and was like dude we gotta fucking freshen up this roster we got to and they were like no we'll just make oz and shit so uh that's <laughs> 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 uh, mr hurd mr hurd <laughs> mr hurd yeah mr hurd a guy a
2: guy looks like Man, guy. He looks there. just like Oh wait till
1: you see this! So he made his debut on June third, edition in nineteen eighty nine of World Championship Wrestling, which was the predecessor to WCW Saturday Night, and a vignette that showed Scott Gator Hall. Hell yeah, he's Gator. Scott Gator Hall swimming (laughs) and playing volleyball. Gators' bitches better be winning. Riding in boats, fishing, and scaring alligators. He's scared. He's boom. Alligators. Hey, boo. Like, just hey, scar yeah. and the alligator, flog- yeah. like, runs out of the water. Um, like, what are we doing with this guy? He's so physically impressive. But again, here, he was not the diamond stud yet, mind you. He still had the mustache. Yeah. He still just kind of had the curly hair or whatever. So they were trying to use him here. Um, after primarily being a, used as
0: a jobber, that's right.
1: Scott yeah. Gator, Hall no wonder was a, a lot of
0: these guys, when they get the power to say no, are like, I'm not doing that. Because they, yeah, they we eat always... so much shit their first, like, whatever, when they just have to nod and do whatever. Like, what has he been through now, Gator? Yeah, it's such a good point
1: stupid. because back here, especially, they're living out of their fucking cars, pretty yeah, much in like exactly. every literal sense of that phrase. Like they were living like hotel to hotel, uh, paycheck to paycheck, sometimes not even having enough money to eat. Like like mm-hmm. Stone Cold would do. He said he would eat raw potatoes and tuna. Yeah, raw potatoes that and tuna for a long ass time because that's all he could afford. Um like yeah, so finally when they get power, they're gonna be like, "I'm not losing to that guy." And we, you know, yeah. as fans, we look back, we're like, "What a selfish fucker!"
2: Yeah, yeah. It's
1: like yeah, but you have no uh. idea. Like he, had, every time he gets going, he's like, "Dude, okay, I'm really tall. I'm really good looking. Uh, I know I'm super built or whatever." And then you got a promoter going, "You know what? <laughs> you look like you look like a gator." It's like no, I no, I you know, don't look like. A I own three shirts. I'm not cutting of the fucking living sleeves in my off car, my shirts. Gym.
2: <laughs> Like that's what he should say. Like you know,
1: after primarily being used as a jobber on house shows, big surprise. Uh, Hall finally gained his first victory on June 29th when he oh, pinned yeah. Rip Morgan And Salisbury, uh, uh, fuck. Maryland. Sorry, excuse me. I was like <laughs> trying to scroll my... Salisbury
3: steak. Salisbury, Salisbury steak. My doctor. mouse froze.
1: Uh, and then entered a successful house show series with Bill Irwin. So at least he had some kind of positive. They seemed like they were trying to use him for good instead of evil. Fucking went from
2: uh, scaring gators to fighting Steve Irwin's brother, Bill Irwin. <laughs> mm-hmm. Fucking crocodile hunter. Mm-hmm. That's why you got that that promo, or that's why that story became. He's uh, uh, all together. It's probably in the crocodiles, Mike. It's probably one of the most like intricate storylines
1: <laughs> ever, and we just were laughing most at complex, it, on it. underrated, but it probably so. had the best thought into it. So then, on his, uh, his, tele- his television debut, finally came on the July 9th edition of World Championship Wrestling, where he was pinned by the Great muda Then on July 9th the I edition mean, that's of not WCW shame. Pro, no. he faced Terry Funk and got beat there too. um His yeah, paper might be a little bit. <laughs> no terry funk come on uh his pay-per-view oh, I mean, debut old, at the great american bash uh glory days so his his scott halls pay-per-view debut came at WCW great american bash 1989 glory days where he participated in a king of the hill battle royal i thought that was just tna exclusive king of the hill shit uh, <laughs> he then began he then began jobbing regularly and losing to the great muda uh, of mike course. rotunda sid vicious ron simmons butch reed His final match came on November the 7th of 1989 when he was defeated by Butch Reed at a house show in Chicago. After this, he went on hiatus, probably to cry. Mm -hmm. Um, He did go back to Japan, uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, and brief tours of Puerto Rico and Germany. Hall would return to WCW again on April of uh, 1991. He was renamed the Diamond Stud and was managed by Diamond Dallas Page and made his first appearance on May the 19th, 1991 at Super Brawl 1. I want to stop right there because diamond dollars page even recently before um hall got sick uh by that i mean you know falling and then getting a blood clot and all that stuff um and went to the hospital they were just uh there's a, a podcast that jake roberts and diamond dollars page do hosted by you guessed it conrad thompson um called D yes. D P snake bit and it's really good it's only um uh it's a um uh, what is that the um what's the free video service not the free video service they do they do yeah ad free it's only on ad free they don't do yeah. it on audio at all so you can only get it on video but they do release like 14 15 minute segments on youtube and i was watching one where they were talking uh about ddp talking calling hall up and saying hey you know I- i'm gonna go talk to dusty he's got the book again out here because but Dusty just returned from wwf here and um uh dusty's like oh no baby like we tried bringing him in <laughs> uh leaving out the point that we named him a Gator, and we tried to make him magnum and yeah we tried to do no, all this other seriously. bullshit. But he's like, we we already had him here or whatever, and he just didn't get over. You know, he's he's got, you know, like a good look and stuff to him, but he's just not money. And then DDP was like, All right, okay, just Dusty, just give me a second. Let me call Scott. Let me work some things out. I'll call you back. So he calls uh, Scott Hall and he says, that's what Dusty said about you. And Hall was like depressed. And he just goes, Look, here what if we totally change your look? What if we totally and this is DDP talking to Scott Hall like it's kind of crazy, like the way Diamond Alice Page played into I a lot it. of people too back here. And uh he was like, "What, shave off your mustache. Right. You keep your hair growing out. Uh let's straighten it a little bit. Let's dye it jet black. Like no other wrestler has like jet black hair. Like all other like wrestlers like will have like blonde hair or short hair or whatever. He's like, "You I want your hair jet black." And Scott's like, "Okay, I'll do it. I'll do whatever, man. If you can get me a job there in Atlanta um with you, that would be great." He's like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to try to pitch you as like, you know, in my diamond mind, I'm, you know, DDP I'm going to have the diamond line stable and all that stuff. And I want you to be like the diamond stud. We'll just reveal you. And, you know, you'll just be huge and muscular and imposing. You'll have jet black long hair. You'll just have stubble. Don't shave everything totally clean. Just have stubble, like a beard, a stubble beard. And he goes, okay. So he calls Dusty. He convinces Dusty to do it. They they bring him in. The rest is history. And uh, his debut match, he squashed Tommy Rich on the June 14th episode of Clash of the Champions. Uh after a few months, he was once again placed on the lower end of the card, often losing to other talent. Um, but I say this is a little bit more important because they didn't try to name him uh, you know, as somebody who scared gators. They didn't try to <laughs> name him after a magnum, uh, they didn't try to do anything here. They came up with something original. Yes, it kind of ended up what you know what he was doing before. But I have to say we all know who he looked like when he was the Diamond Stud and who he would become uh, just a few short months later yeah, exactly. in the WWF. So it's kind of crazy that the seeds for Razor Ramon were kind of planted here. Like yep. Hall's vision and DDP's vision was kind of that going that way. And Hall's look definitely looked familiar. I went back and watched some uh, uh, stuff from like, you know, WCW Pro and stuff of Diamond Stud beating up on prelims. And I couldn't tell if I didn't know that he was wrestling on a WCW mat, I couldn't tell the difference.
3: Diamond Dallas Page keeps egging him on, making him do more. DDP! Diamond Death Drop! The Diamond Death Drop, he called it. He sure did. Good name. The triple D. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your winner, the Diamond Skies.
1: Between the Ramon look and that look, and that's kind of crazy, like the way everything has to happen for a reason. You know, you get one of your friends in your ear just saying, just fucking shave your mustache off, change your whole look. I, I just found it fascinating that DDP was that involved and that intricate. And those minor changes ended up becoming major changes to Hall's career. It's Kind of crazy. Yeah. Um after an injury sidelined him from Starcade in nineteen ninety one, Hall entered nineteen ninety two, uh, forming short lived tag teams with Vinny Vegas, of course, at the bottom of the card, which he started teaming with Kevin Nash. Uh and Scotty Flamingo, which everybody knows Scotty Flamingo as Raven. <laughs> Raven. <laughs> um they were also part of the Diamond Mine stable for a little while. So DDT right. managed all of them as like a little huh? prelim faction kind of forgotten factions right Diamond there. Mine.
2: <laughs> Diamond Mine. Diamond Mine the NXT. Yeah. <laughs> Hall left WWE oh, yeah. shortly yeah, after
1: uh, uh yeah, like Paul left WWE shortly after his televised match against Ron Campbell on May the 8th of 1992. Uh, Then we jump in here to the World Wrestling Federation. Scott Hall joined the World Wrestling Federation in late May of 1992 as Razor Ramon, a shady and stylish Cuban-American bully from Miami. The character was modeled after characters Tony Montaigne uh, from the 1983 film Scarface. Patterson he- and McMahon came up with the name Razor, but agreed with Hall's suggestion that it should be just a nickname. That that shouldn't just be his only name. Well, and so you got to first- remember
2: a funny little story about that too. Remember, remember, uh, uh, Scott actually asked Vince if he's ever seen Scarface, and he said no. Huh. And 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 then he kind of like almost like it was like his own creation, the character. He's like, "Oh, I'm the bad guy." And then Vince like, "I love it, pal." Like you know, and all, he he basically acted like Tony Montana, and uh, <clears throat> and Vince had no idea what that never movie seen it, was. so Vince is like, "Wow!" Yeah. But Scott Hall said, "He's all like, I didn't think it was going to work." <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much what he said because like, I didn't think it was going to fly. And they were like, "We never heard of Scarface and blah blah blah." So. Yeah, it was a funny little story. I think it, I was, it's, I think it was I bet ESPN. it's good because
1: what like if Vince shit on it right then and just
0: goes, no, nah, that's too much like Scarface Pal. Like you know what I mean?
2: Like yeah, yeah, the fact exactly. that he didn't
0: see it might have helped him. oh uh, well, yeah, exactly. Or he literally would have just said, No, you know that I'm a guy that likes one names. I like Razor. It's Razor. Just well, that's what they name. said here. Well, that that that's they came right up here. with
1: Razor, yeah, by itself and they just wanted to call him the Razor. Yeah. And uh, but Hall said, No, I think that should be my nickname. It should be a more full proper name. Um Hall later then asked Tito Santana for a Latino-sounding name that starts with an R, and Santana suggested Ramon. Hall brought it back to fan,
0: and the name yeah, it's stuck. It's Razor... he, he didn't go Rodriguez. Ramon is the one that he went with. But... Yeah, okay. Razor Rodriguez. <laughs> he I mean, a... could have gone either way.
2: What's a good uh, uh,
0: Like if Hispanic Tito wanted to fuck him over, he's all, oh,
2: yeah, man, Rodriguez. Like, make it as long as possible. <laughs> no, what because if Tito, Tito just be got... Ramon. What if Tito got jealous? He's all, what's a good uh, Hispanic name that uh, starts with an R? He's all, Tito. No, no, <laughs> let's start with an R. Oh, let start uh, with an R. Santana. Ran Razor Santana Rantana, Rito Razor Ricardo.
1: He's like, No, it can't be Ricardo. It's already been done. What about Ramirez? (laughs) No, Ramirez. So he brought it back to McMahon. The name stuck. The Razor Ramon logo and costume were designed by Tom Fleming. I've heard his name briefly in the past as somebody who's designed costumes for a lot of them too. But it's iconic because of the fact that we all remember the Razor, you know, with Ramon's name on it. That was his graphic. The Razor's on his tights and he really right then he just became iconic yeah. really and we didn't even know it back then
0: and not to mention the entire illusion and and symbolism of the razor blade is to cut cocaine so that's already like right yeah. as hell yeah. like and yeah, right in exactly. the picture
1: behind you craig has a gold razor around his neck too which is very convenient mm-hmm. for cutting cocaine yet. i love it uh ragers razors first major angle Didn't begin with prelims like in WCW or lower card talent or whatever. On September 14th episode of (laughs) Primetime Wrestling, he interfered in a WWF championship match between Randy champion, Randy Savage, and challenger Ric Flair, attacking Savage on the floor and enabling Flair to win the title for a second time. As a result, Razor and Savage started a feud, which later evolved into the Ultimate Warrior and Savage teaming together against Flair and Ramon after the Warrior saved Savage from a post-match beating by Razor. Razor and Flair were scheduled to face the ultimate maniacs of the Macho Man Randy Savage and Ultimate Warrior at Survivor Series 1992. The Warrior was fired from the WWF prior to the event and replaced by Flair's executive consultant, Mr. Perfect, uh, who had been inactive for a little while due to a back injury. Ramon and Flair lost to Savage and Perfect via disqualification for constantly double-teaming them.
3: Qualification here for Rodders, please. Man, if figure four like that, break those legs. The match is over. Razor and Flair would not leave the ring. We had two officials in there. Break those legs like a drumstick. Chicken. Watch our man, Randy Savage, still knocked on Oh, no. Oh, no. It looks good, doesn't it? It looks
1: perfect. I remember this match, too. Uh, you know not not the be- at the end of 92 the WWF was in a state of flux i've said it many times before um but since we're focusing on scott hall y- you kind of have to realize that scott hall sort of came in right at the tail end in the- of that first uh, big boom period you and know and when and- wwf started to get weak he was in there with guys like the warrior and savage yeah. and rick Flair already- and the undertaker and all those guys like in kind of in piper and even brett back here and and henning so it's just kind of crazy. He sort of was, he has that link with he that had, generation that I grew up with, you know, when I yes. started becoming a fan. And of he was that. inserted then, with
2: big names and they gave him the ball and he ran right with right it. Away. Because, you yeah, know, right was, away. They, like, he right wasn't away, a jobber was like a or anything, heel. you know, in the beginning. He was just fucking, and then the Intercontinental title and everything after, you know. So, and yeah, that's, it's, you know, it's, it shows how talented he is too though. And, and yeah. that anyone, whether it's Vince, Jim Hurd, or Jim Crockett or, or, you know, anybody, they see the talent in them, even though, you know, the other guys saw, you know, coyotes and crocodiles in them. But yeah,
0: I mean, and that's, that's Vince is a star maker, right? Like, so yeah, is. they yeah. couldn't get past the finish line and all these other gimmicks of his Vince probably was a guy that was on set. He became his project and he micromanaged every little thing with Razor. And when Razor started contributing, like I can be this guy and that's what got over. Like, it just took a little like hate him all you want. But but when man when man was passionate and lived and breathed building his guys and his gimmicks. Like it would work. Like for the, he, it would, would fail one hundred percent, or or succeed one hundred percent. Razor was one that like worked together. And oh, well, let's not finally... forget too the uh, the vignettes too. You know, <laughs> it had a shitload the of vignettes. Vignettes. oh my gosh, yes. fucking great vignettes.
2: The yeah. vignettes, yeah. the Lavinia pushing the guy up. in the fountain, the pushing the guy yes. in the fountain was like
1: one of my favorite ones. Like, how could I, yeah, I totally forgot
2: to put that on notes, I, 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 I I, No, I like the one where he's sitting at a table and some chick came up to him. He's like, you're not going to call me? He's all, no, get out of here. And he's yeah. all, you see her? He's like, <laughs> he's like, he's all, her heart is probably scarred for life. <laughs> but no. Like,
0: but, <laughs> it was such a tiny great. moment. But every time you yes. came out on, on Superstars... He would give the chain to the ring attendant and he goes something happened to these chains man something, man, something gonna, happen, gonna happen, to you. happen
2: to you and
0: it's yeah. a little moment but it's just fucking brilliant and it's the, t- it's the little things that add up Ramon Razor Ramon
3: I come from the gutter I know that I got no education who needs it Look at me. Look at me. Look at the gold. Look at my clothes. I'm a success.
1: And looking think? back to like all the promoters before are so afraid to push a guy just because he's big. They were all scared of it. I mean, the Crockett's Vern, All those people are just like, but do they have a real wrestling background, though? <laughs> are they going to screw me over, though? Yeah. Like, and. When he gets to WWF, Vince is like, he checks all of my fucking boxes. Yes. He's yeah, Six foot six, no. six foot seven, three hundred pounds. He's he's good looking. Uh, he can talk. He can walk. He can yeah. wrestle. Like so, Vince is just like, uh, he's larger than life. Of it, course, I'm going to use him. It's of attention to detail. The other
0: fucking old grizzled yeah. territory guys are like, just fucking handle your shit out there. Just figure it out. Yeah. But like Vince is like, no, it's going to be the fucking details. And here's the details. You yeah, will, all those
1: Bruce Pritchard
0: produced fucking you know, uh-huh. skits that we just talked about. The vignettes is so oh, yeah. important. We you will so, do, it was do like that tooth Iconic. Question. You will do that eyebrow. You will do that thing with the yep. ring attendant. You will. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's amazing. And and Hall carried the ball and ran with it for sure. Um, WWF World Champion at the time, Bret Hart was scheduled to defend his title against the Ultimate Warrior originally at Royal R- Royal Rumble '93, but because the Warrior was terminated a couple months before, Razor Ramon replaced the Warrior um, after he left the company. Razor lost to Hard at the Royal Rumble in a very good match, by yeah. the way, submitting to the sharpshooter. Really shooter. good, um, non,
0: one of the best non-Rumble matches uh, of like that decade. A
3: bow and arrow turned the big guy over, but Brett couldn't hold him. he's slapping on the He's got sharp the sharpshooter. Sharp he's got that leg twisted around. No, no, no. All he's got to do is stand up here. No, no. And get that momentum. He's got he oh, him. He's got him. He's got him. Yes, no, no. he's I don't believe it. I
1: don't believe it yeah I I do I encourage anybody to go back and watch Razor Ramon against Bret Hart from Royal Royal Rumble 93 that is an excellent match and it just shows that like it shows how great Bret is and he can work with anybody but it showed that Ramon Scott Hall was here and he was dead serious not only was, was he getting the push from Vince but he was like oh I can get in there with these guys and I can go and Brett has said um, his favorite match with Ramon was basically the 93 match at Royal Rumble and the King of the Ring tournament match uh, he enjoyed with Ramon later that year. Um, Ramon and him just had really, really good chemistry. Uh, oh, excuse me, I a little belch there. Uh, on the May 17th <laughs> episode of Monday Night Raw, he suffered an upset loss to then-Jobber the Kid, who consequently became known as the One Two Three Kid, th- beginning a feud between the two. This was easily one of the most memorable moments in Raw history um we got to kind of pause again there yeah. i remember wow. i remember half-assed watching that raw because like you know when you see a prelim in there i'm like i don't know, ramon's just gonna ha- beat him handily and i was probably the around kid around. had been
0: destroyed for like a couple of weeks before that too yeah i
1: think on raw yeah. like and i recognize that from like global and all that stuff so i knew the kid from the magazines and uh so i saw him on WWF television i thought it was cool and uh, and, you know, he's just a little skinny guy, like looked like me back then, like basically. So, yeah, you thought he was just going to be a jobber. And when he came out here and took on Ramon, I had no idea what I would see when he did that back moonsault off the top rope and hit Ramon and the ref's hand hit three. It, go back and watch that. It really is like this amazing moment where the crowd, people were putting their hands on their head and they like, well, what the fuck? Like, and it was just kind of crazy. Like, oh, oh, like, it just he's up on that octave. And like it was uh, I, I'll never forget it. it it's. Not only one of the most famous raw moments in my wrestling fandom all these years, I yeah. will always remember that moment. That is a moment I can never forget.
3: And I think Razor's oh, teased. Right
1: It and, just, it's etched in my mind
0: and he didn't have to do it and it made both of them and it never really hurt ramon at the end of the day like what no, a fucking perfect all, right? like, like but there's a thousand guys that would have never done that actually yeah probably every single guy in that locker
1: room would have said no except for scott hall like who yeah. just understood the shock of that and then on top of that they do something genius right here he had already kind of started to, to get like support from the crowd before that because he's funny you know he's just over the top rope like Hey man like and all that something gonna happen To these chains <laughs> something gonna and you laugh At it after a while so you boot him at first But then you're like he's six, 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 seven, Probably yeah. more solid 6'7 Than anything yeah, um, yeah You know, and so. 285 pounds like and you're just Like I, how, wh- why do I Not like this guy he's funny as yeah. shit Like he's a walking cartoon character Like he just makes me laugh with this so, you know the <laughs> affect He would do with his voice and everything And, and, and daddy, so daddy, Yassi, I
0: want a foam razor blade Okay First ever, Speaking, raw, speaking of first turning face
1: now, uh, Ted DiBiase showed no respect for Razor Ramon, uh, making fun of him for losing the match to such a small jobber like the kid. Uh, Ramon helped the kid defeat Ted DiBiase, solidifying his face turn. The feud culminated at SummerSlam 93 in an opening match where Ramon defeated Ted DiBiase in DiBiase's final WWF match. But I remember that night as well, too, because that pop from that crowd, they were completely behind Razor Ramon. Vince had to have known right then like my god I got a total face I have a star. This is is fucking crazy like yeah it was It was awesome On October the 4th The 1993 episode of Monday Night Raw And a 20 man battle royal was held um, The last two participants would face Each other in the the following week Are you serious dogs right now Would you stop Um, The winner of this battle royal would face Each other in the following week for the vacant WWF Intercontinental Championship because Shawn Michaels was suspended uh, for failing a drug test at, about a month before, or a couple of weeks before, the Sh- final two participants. What here are you talking in about Spout Shawn oil- Michaels? Then Shawn Michaels? Yeah, Shawn Michaels. Who did I say? No, I just I didn't think Shawn was a drug guy. Oh, oh, I know. It's weird. No. I never normally associate bad news with Shawn Michaels, but however, that just came right out of my mouth that Shawn Michaels hey, Scott, either Keith misbehaved Leard. or failed a drug test. It's weird. I never I don't so want to die,
0: Shawn. I don't want to die. <laughs> So with ones. Razor right. Ramon and Rick Martel being <laughs> the it. final
1: two in that Battle Royal on the following week on Raw, they would face each other for the vacant Intercontinental Championship, and Razor Ramon pinned Rick Martel after a Razor's Edge to win his first WWF Intercontinental Championship. Another fantastic moment that I invite everybody to go back and watch. The crowd went apeshit.
3: He muscled him up. And he muscled him up. He did right. it. Here it comes, ladies and gentlemen. There's almost no way out of this. Here it comes the Raiders Edge. Oh. Step to step. We got a new champion. One, two, three. Yeah. He got yes, He yes, it. He him it.
1: when Razor won the title. Big Razor sir. began a feud with Shawn Michaels over which man had the stronger claim to the Intercontinental Championship. Michaels had been stripped of the title, obviously, we just mentioned that, uh, due to uh, inactivity, when in real life uh, he was suspended for failing a drug we test. We know what it was. Didn't, they didn't play that in the storyline. Um, he returned to television on with his own belt, claiming he was still the Intercontinental Champion, hence the two belts that you see at WrestleMania 10. Uh So he challenged Ramon for it and uh, to a match at WrestleMania. In a ladder match for the undisputed Intercontinental Championship with both Intercontinental belts hanging above the ring. This match was terrible. Uh, It didn't revolutionize anything. (laughs) Um, I mean, what do you say about this? Uh, This match was critically acclaimed and was voted as match of the year in 1994 by the readers of Pro Wrestling United Magazine. And I'm pretty sure it was match of the year by the readers of Wrestling Observer as well. Um, It was also the first
0: WWF Um, match to receive a five-star rating
1: from sports journalist Dave Meltzer.
0: Cuz, could you give uh, Dave Meltzer uh, explaining the rating of the
2: Razor-Sean ladder match? I I can't believe it. I I, I have to give WWF a a five-star. It's not even the Tokyo Dome. What, 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 What are we doing here? There you go. Well, shut, shut, well the the down, right? we gonna, shut. the newsletter down. the I hate Vincent's cartoons. How am I gonna make on? my money if I can't trash him? <laughs> <laughs> I
0: mean, the, so he's already Razor's already uh, had the moment with the kid. One of the greatest moments of Raw, where you made someone smaller and kind of brought in the the rise of the little the little guy, right? And then now it, it, they did not invent the ladder match. That that still goes to Bret Hart. It was Bret his Hart, idea yeah. back in I think Stampede, Calgary right? with Sean Stim. Um, but to have it on this remember. stage and it revolutionized what it stampede. Um, mm-hmm. decades later, what they still do every year now, and what they've opened Mania with, and have ten guys doing it, and TLC and Money in the Banks. This was the first <laughs> and best, and it yeah. was incredible. You go back and look, and uh, Dave Hebner has to stand on the ladder because it's gonna fall apart when he gets the belt. They didn't know to have like multiples. Um, they did for the second one. I think there, there was a second one under yeah, the ring. Funny but like, to watch it evolve. It just to watch it evolve and to to watch the danger of it and uh, to pull all of that out in what was the first one. It was it was phenomenal. It was life changing at WrestleMania. One of the
2: best. Ma- yeah, at, yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Like and you have, you storm. do
0: have Brett and Owen in WrestleMania. All the stars 10, aligned.
2: But this still. I was stole just going to say that
1: it overshadowed and, Brett versus yeah. Owen See, that
2: opened the card, and it was fantastic. Oh, man. That See, match. I'm gonna get mad. That's why I'm like, you know what, Meltzer, no, you can't even get that one a five star either. Like, come on. Like, fucking no. And I hate first, to say it. Not I not think, not think not no, not I, no, 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 no. no. You, you, what about me, my brother Owen? Oh, we got a five star match, didn't we, Dave?
1: And it even might- overshadowed the main event which, with Yoko and Brett, which was excellent yeah. as well. So, we had two other great matches on that card. It could have easily been just okay and clunky or whatever and fine, but it wasn't. It it literally revolutionized so, wrestling like, going forward. Everything that we saw from the TLC, to be honest. This match is
2: the reason why there's all the high spot matches now, honestly. Because yeah. it all evolved from yes. there, you know. I mean, it's I know TLC, there's hardcore it's matches. Money the, the Money in the
1: Bank pay-per-view
2: but, is based
1: off Ramon and Sean's ladder match. And, and that's of Jericho's the idea, the Money from. in the Bank. But yeah, exactly. Right, but and I mean, like
2: they
0: they brought the ladder into that. Like, the roots, yeah, You're right. The and roots you know what are the coolest from this fucking match. part was? Fuck. Is that fear, of, like, you're not supposed to walk under the ladder because it's bad luck. Yes. And Ramon, like, when he walks down, he's facing the ladder. He goes... Fuck it, man! And goes. Mm. He did his glide. He did his glide too, as he yeah. went to the ladder, which was awesome. Uh, Razor would lose at the Intercontinental
1: Championship to Diesel, uh, but win it back at SummerSlam 1994 on August the 29th of 1994. Um, probably to that date, uh, Nash's uh, best match that he's ever been in. Um, they were obviously grooming Nash for different things, but you know, again, Ramon was part of Kevin Nash's uh, rise to the WWF Championship. Uh, he would lose the Intercontinental Championship to Jeff Jarrett at the Royal Rumble of 1995. Ha-ha. However, yeah. he would win it back from Jeff Jarrett in a latter match at a house show on May 19th, uh. 1995 to win the title. Uh. To, <laughs> <laughs> to win the Intercontinental title for the third time, uh. which was a record. Um, only to lose it back to Jeff Jarrett in another house show. Uh. On the same house three days later. Um, I'm not a big fan of that. Um, I think it makes titles look silly, but I know back in the t- back in 1995 they had to do it because business was down in general. The wrestling uh-huh. world was not on fire, uh-huh. so they had to change <laughs> titles at house shows to. to ha <laughs> ha! Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
0: Sad Jeff uh-huh. Jarrett goes. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then Jeff Jarrett goes. goes, uh-huh. goes ha! Yeah, and when, uh, we, uh, whenever uh, Jeff Jarrett says, something uh, uh, that uh, Jeff Jeff Jarrett doesn't like what Jeff, Jeff said. Jeff goes, uh-huh. Yeah, it's uh, like, uh, Jeff uh, Jarrett wins uh, the title. <laughs> uh, Jeff Jarrett loses uh, the title. Oh, uh, yeah. So, uh, Jeff, say that you don't like that. Uh, you, you didn't like all that back and forth. I don't like that back and forth at house shows. Uh-huh. Uh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh. but it happened, and it allowed Razor Ramon to win the Intercontinental Championship for a record at the time, third time. Um, he and Michaels would have a ladder rematch for the Intercontinental Championship at SummerSlam 1995 <laughs> where Michaels uh, would defend his title oh, there God. and come out the winner where Ramon wanted a at WrestleMania V. Uh, to some, this match was just as good as our Mania 10
3: match. Rangers starting to move! And he got it! He got it! He got it! He got it! Intercontinental Championship Bounce. Hit him, hit him. Stop
2: it. Why? Graveshame extraordinarily athletic event here. Razor spins Sean. Michaels around. Come on, hit him, hit him, hit him.
3: Razor hands in the Intercontinental Championship Bounce. Look at this. Yes. That's what it's all about. Oh.
0: Uh, we I'm not going to say it anything tonight. here because we did uh we did an episode on does it hold up yep. or which is better number one which or number two better. and I can't remember yep. what I said so in my mind I still think the WrestleMania 10 is better but I'm afraid for someone I, to go actually Craig on that episode you said the second no, one was better no actually so you you're don't full remember
1: because you weren't you weren't on it it was just me cousin Dave oh cool oh, you're such yeah. a liar Craig See? good so then no, I, no actually I, and, and <laughs> I love my yeah. the, then in my head WrestleMania it, it's 10 why he doesn't remember it's like so Craig was there
2: I had said the SummerSlam one was better Dave
1: said. He likes the Mania 10 match, but cuz and I both kind of had similar notes where we were like, yeah. you know, going into the when 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 I sent them the notes, cuz even said the same thing. Cuz was like, Oh, in my mind, I wasn't even gonna watch this the SummerSlam match because I was just gonna say WrestleMania 10 is better. But I watched it too, and we both watched it separately, not together. We both yeah. watched it separately, and we both came in going like that fucking match was really good. And it was mm. it was more it was more of a progression from their first match. It's amazing yeah. how in a short amount of time in like a year and a half span, that they learned from their first match, and, and it was more it violent. It was yeah, it was more it was violent. Yeah, I would say that's the best way. More so aggressive. If you look at their Mania Ten match, maybe that was a little bit more polished, but their SummerSlam ninety
2: five yes. match was a lot more raw looking and violent. And I yes. I prefer that. It looked I more really real. That. It literally yeah. looked more real. Every, everything with the ladder, it wasn't so you know some fake you know, like, like when Jeff Hardy like bounces with it like stuff like that. It was like oh, mm-hmm. it, it looks like real guys fighting. Yeah. And, yeah. and what would happen if one of them climbed up a ladder? saw Michaels' leg gets caught in the in the rung, you know, stuff like that. Like, and yeah, was, you're treated really to good. a
1: Shawn Michaels tantrum in this match too. So again, does oh, yeah. he get mad at Razor like the, or the? No, he ladder. gets mad at the ladder because the ladder kept fucking. Yeah. It was the yeah, ladder was, was broken. He's a And bitch. so like, yeah, and at first like, they had remember c- piece of shit. Yeah, they remember because <laughs> they they when they put the IC belt up, they fucking hoisted it up too high. So right oh, yeah, from yeah, the beginning of the match, yeah, yelling at him to take it down.
0: And then it was, was that, wait, was WrestleMania 10 when he wanted it to turn around? The, no. Oh.
1: That was SummerSlam. That was the SummerSlam. WrestleMania slam. 10 Man. went off without a hitch. There was
0: no Shawn Michaels tantrum. Everything went perfect. In 95, Cause it was where the Because ba- he couldn't rip it down the way it was. It was upside down. Well, on and it wasn't facing the was camera. too high. Yeah. yeah. And it wasn't Shawn facing Michaels
1: cut the and it was too high. So he, st- he made him take it down. He got mad. He threw a tantrum. And then at the end, he threw a tantrum as well he... because the ladder didn't fucking work or something See? like that. And he f- it fell over. The he, the supports broke. They used the ladder and they broke the metal supports.
2: He he, so cut the, he cut the he cut the career of Big Land Ladder just like he did Big Van Vader.
1: Big Land Isn't Ladder. What? It was called Big Big Van Ladder. <laughs> the nickname
2: yeah. for that. Yeah. Like, and for yeah. those out there that
0: didn't understand, because his fat piece of shit reference. That's uh, uh Sean. <laughs> yeah, the Vader. Vader. That's
2: why he was going at the ladder but, too. But uh, but
0: yeah, I I'm definitely gonna put a clip
1: of that match. Yeah. slider uh, guy, Summer, Vince, can't work. Ladder match in here. <laughs> He would win the Intercontinental Championship for the fourth time, which is a record again, and for the final time from Shane Douglas at In Your House Four on October the twenty second, nineteen ninety five, in actually a pretty shit match to be poor, honest. Poor Shane uh, that, again, again it was because Shawn Michaels had to give up the title because he got beat up by Marines in a bar, so he had to forfeit the title. Shawn's linked to all kinds of bullshit, when, but you know what? Somehow Ramon, we... <laughs> somehow Ramon always capitalized. Like.
3: two in the count of three! What?! I can't believe it! Wait a minute, all Razor had was his arm across him!
1: It's all intense, but whose shoulders are down here? Uh, Who won the match?
3: Oh, wait a minute. I think D. Douglas
2: had his arm across Razor. Let's get the official decision. The, the winner of, of the match, match, and Intercontinental Champion, Razor, Ramon! Oh, wow! He,
1: he gets suspended the first time, then he was able to beat Martel to win his first IC title. Uh, Michaels has to give it up here because he was gallivanting and uh, pissing off Marines. So, no problem, Sean, I'll
2: take it from here, don't worry. He turns around. <laughs> he, he's giving the Marines money, uh, so there you guys go. Yeah. Thanks he a lot for that. <laughs> Hey, yo. Like he Come all time. You did all the time. Yeah. We'll see that, man. Right? Madonna over there. Go you beat his ass. Yeah.
0: You go beat that skinny punk's ass. Thank you. you pull him out of Wait his till car. Wake up, Bulldog falls asleep in the car, though. Yeah.
2: Yeah, because <laughs> that, that guy will fair. fuck you all up. Ten uh, full.
0: I'm going, <laughs> to <bed>. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> going
2: to bed. Going to bed.
0: Didn't, he fight? He didn't, didn't Bulldog went no, did like, went sleep in the car? Like, what if the Bulldog or was not go to
2: sleep? I thought, I thought the take kid care was that drunk. Part. Hey, Bulldog, look You're over right. there. Slipped something in the I thought, no, Bulldog was
1: there, but yeah. the kid, I think, passed out and they put him in the car. Yeah, it was the kid that passed out in the car. Yeah, Bulldog
0: was inside the bar. Like a little tiny baby. Bulldog ate nothing. So like, come on, let's calm down, fellas. Please, please. Yeah, I know. Sean's just getting fucking, car doors like racked in his head. Slammed right in his Come on, guys.
2: Oh, fucking
0: Sean's head.
2: That's why his eyes like that. guys.
3: Okay. So the- <laughs> I'm you a lover, not a to- fighter.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm so any part
1: of this tonight? I can't get in trouble, guys. Oh, uh, oh. He's just fucked up, guys.
0: <laughs> he's just, like <laughs> he just fucked
2: up. <laughs> he would do that, just screaming from the sidelines. Oh lines.
1: fuck, guys! Come on.
3: Oh, oh, man,
2: he's he's all shot. <laughs> oh. actually, if anything, Bulldog he probably would have watched Shawn Michaels' ass kicked too. Shit.
3: He
1: would lose the title to uh, uh, Scott Hall, would lose the Intercontinental Championship to Goldust at the Royal Rumble 1996. (sighs) Ramon was originally scheduled to face Goldust in a rematch for the title at WrestleMania 12 in a Miami Street fight, but Hall was suspended for six weeks by the WWF due to his drug use, and he was uh, leaning towards leaving for WCW. He returned to WWF Television on April 7 in your house. Of nineteen ninety-six, where he lost to Vader, in and no that was house. his last pay-per-view match with the company. Uh he in the in, while we've been telling this whole story of him, he became associated with a backstage group known as the Click, uh, also consisting of Kevin Nash, Paul Levesque, which was Hunter Hurst Helmsley, Shawn Michaels, and Sean Waltman, who is a one two, three kid. Uh then that led them to be involved at a house wow. show at Madison Square Garden. They were involved in the infamous curtain call situation at Madison Square Garden because Hall and fellow Click member Kevin Nash were departing for WCW. The pair, along with Michaels and Levesque, broke uh, kayfabe, which means they broke character, and they all embraced in the ring together. And one person's shaky hand cam yeah, uh, it. Yeah, God forbid. Because, yeah, back in this day, there was no cell phones or anything like that. Someone actually snuck a hand cam into the arena. And, and it literally was the only, it's the only footage that ever exists from this because WWF cameras weren't rolling Because it was a house show. Some fans little fucking pocket flip. You know those little cameras where you flip the lens open. They had that. And that is literally the only. So it's no surprise now. When somebody records something on their phone nowadays. How fast it goes viral. Anybody who is shocked at that. I'm like no. Let me tell you a little something about the curtain call. Where someone's fucking hand recorder was in their pocket. When they snuck it in the fucking arena. And the only existing video of this. Is just that one angle. From that one fan towards the top of the arena, where he's all Wah! like screaming in the background, like a little fanboy, um, and that went viral before ev- viral was even a thing, like back and, then, and, and got it's Triple so H crazy.
0: buried for four months or whatever. Yep. And, and I also found
1: out that he, originally he was supposed to do which what we found out was going to be the Hollywood Backlot Brawl at WrestleMania 12, but it was oh, supposed to be oh, a Miami wow. street fight. That would have been awesome. It was awesome. supposed to be a Miami street fight against yeah, Scott that- Hall. That um, was right, because yeah. because he got suspended, you know, due to the violation of WWE drug policy. I think, I think it was like he tested positive for pot or something. <laughs> but they, but yeah, but Hall was like, they knew I was leaving the company, so they weren't. You yeah, did that on purpose.
2: Me, yeah. he did it. on so purpose. So they brought Roddy Piper it. back,
1: and we got the Hollywood back brawl, which was great. I loved the Hollywood back. I thought it was awesome. Um, and it was like really the first WWF cinematic match, was it not? I think I heard on uh, uh Bruce pictures like ah, yeah, and that's true. Like, yeah um, that's true so it's it kind of true. crazy uh, so either way it was going to be ahead of its time because they were going to film the Miami street fight uh, you know they're going to dress up a sound stage like the streets of Miami I'm sure or some crazy shit so, yeah. uh, so they were probably going to do something really cool with Ramon but alas he lost to Vader at April um, uh, in your house 7 uh, and uh, that was it for him on WWF television um, now we're going to jump into some crazy shit uh, world championship wrestling Scott Hall's return to WCW um Hall's first appearance on WCW television after leaving WWF was an unannounced promo that he cut in the ring on May 27th, 1996 on an episode of Nitro. uh, He walked down the stairs of the arena, jumped over the guardrail in street clothes, in fashionable uh, (sighs) denim jeans and (laughs) vests. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And claimed to be an outsider. And uh, we've all we all know that promo. I'm going to put it right here.
3: You people, you know who I am. But you don't know why I'm here. Are we going to get security here? Where is billionaire Ted? Where is the Nacho man? That punk can't even get in the building. Me? I go wherever I want, whenever I want.
1: Like, they didn't do any promos. He didn't come through the ramp or anything like that. It was just something we had never seen before. Um, and we are talking here in a legacy of Scott Hall that Scott Hall was the guy that essentially, I know shots have been fired because Bischoff was reading results before this and stuff and blah, blah, blah. And the Luger thing happened in 95. But this was really like, this was the first real angle where yep. it wasn't, nobody was in character, nobody was a gimmick, he came out, he jumped over the guardrail, it was fast, they rushed the commercial, they didn't really talk about it when they came back, and then Bischoff talked about it at the end of the program, and that's when Hall came on, like, and it was just sort of so surreal to me as a fan here, I, talk about I his big surprise. I can't not talk about this moment enough, even though it's been played and talked about forever, Um, it legitimately is, I mean, one of the biggest moments in wrestling history, like, it without is. question.
2: And just that alone is worthy of Hall of Fame, is worthy of yeah. a legacy episode, is worthy of every all the accolades that you can possibly get as a wrestler without having the one, you know, WWE and w- WCW world champion. I remember, um, I, I, I still remember this vividly, like to this day, I was like eight, nine years old right here. Me and my brothers were playing with our little action figures while watching WCW because my dad would ha- always go to WCW. He would always watch it. Um, but, you know, switch back and forth between channels. But uh, I just remember and then that happened and we stopped playing and we were just with our jaw jo- like our mouths wide open w- watching the tv like we couldn't believe it. and even my dad was like what the hell He's like that razor like and we, we it, it was it was a crazy moment man it seemed real like i mean you yeah, know i was a young kid so for me it was real
1: we talk about how how valuable it was for him to be pushed like craig talked about the details of vince you're gonna hand your chain to the ring uh side person you're gonna say if something happens to these something's gonna happen to you you're gonna do this you're gonna bring a yeah. toothpick and then you take all okay. of that away in 1996 because it was a different world than 1992 a different wrestling climate a different climate here in america and it's just it's what the crowd wanted and then you strip all that down and bischoff's the one that just put him out there in just street clothes like it's so amazing to talk about scott hall's beginning on the big time in wwf as razor and then this character this just regular scott hall character uh about they're so opposite in every way like it, it with the promotion uh, the costumes everything was just completely opposite it's crazy uh later on that the, they they will debut Kevin Nash by the way 2 weeks after that Kevin Nash debuts again <laughs> throwing the wrestling community in a huge frenzy at this point yeah. everyone's talking about nitro at the Great american bash in 1996 Kevin Nash powerbombed Eric Bischoff who was only an interviewer at this time um a third string interviewer by the way nobody knew that he was really executive vice president unless you read the credits at the end of every WCW pay-per-view um through and powerbombed uh, Bischoff through a table on the side of the stage. I cannot tell you how this affected me as like a guy. Uh, I was like, I think I was 19 here. And i had been a wrestling fan since I was nine, 10 years old. And seeing this was the most realest thing I'd ever seen. But it shocked me. I remember watching this pay-per-view going, oh my, I've never seen anything like that in my life. And it made you afraid of Hall and Nash. It made you scared of them a little bit. They weren't like a monster like Vader. They weren't uh, Abdul the Butcher. They weren't you know, part of our scariest episode, uh, scariest wrestler episodes that we did this last Halloween. They weren't anything like that. It scared you because they were real because they yeah. were both in street clothes, Nash with a ridiculous yeah. polo tucked into his jeans. Uh, and, but I mean, like he powerbombed Bischoff <laughs> yeah. into the table and you'd never seen an announcer really be touched.
0: Nobody ever touched Gino. You didn't know where the line was at him, this you know? point. Like you just really and yeah. which was the best part of wrestling when you're not sure what's real and yes. what's not and that's when wrestling's always the best and even though it was a complete uh work uh, you we didn't know we had no yeah. clue now we look back and it's all silliness to us yeah because it happens we, all
1: the time now but was like, so we, good was so this was good. such an, an amazing real angle um at bash of the beach on july 7th 1996 uh nash and hall were known as the outsiders challenged sting lex luger and randy savage and promised a third man a mystery partner everybody knows that turned out to be hulk hogan Everybody knows, arguably the biggest faction in wrestling history on a mainstream basis, the New World Order was formed. The NWO. Um, we don't have to talk about that. We talked about that a hundred times. Nah, Everybody's talking about Hogan. it was an amazing moment for sure. But now oh, yeah. Hall is part of this trio that re revolutionized wrestling, where WCW, not WWF, was the number one American wrestling company, and it, it's crazy to even talk about now. Um, uh, for the next a- two years, the NWO would reignite the American wrestling industry before DX, before The Rock, before Mr. McMahon versus Steve Austin, there was the NWO getting on magazine covers, cover a TV guide, remember that? Uh, Presenting awards Mm -hmm. at award shows, uh, being guest stars on MTV, anything else you could think of, getting slimed on Nickelodeon, like whatever. Like They started uh, an Attitude Era on a large scale before the Attitude Era in the WWF even was thought of, before they even coined that phrase. They started this real edgy... Feeling to American wrestling, and uh, I'll never forget it. It was an amazing time to live through. Um, the Outsiders Hall and Nash would branch off while Hulk Hogan won the World Heavyweight Championship. Of course, he uh, they would. Uh,
3: be,
1: they formed a tag team called the Outsiders within the NWO. They won the WT- WCW Tag Team Championship from the Harlem Heat at Halloween Havoc 1996. We were there live, weren't we, Craig? We saw that live
3: and gave him the cane to save his own eyes as Parker scurries back to the locker room. He is right, Sherry, there on, to defend herself. Colonel Parker's gone. He's left He's the arena. That was either a white tornado or a hit suit. leaving here. But something went down that aisle awful quick. One, two, three. Oh, no. The worst that has happened has happened. We've got new champs. I'll tell you what, guys. The outsiders prevail. in Nash, the new WCW World Tag Team Champion.
1: Now you have Hulk Hogan uh, as World Heavyweight Champion, and the Outsiders were WCW Tag Team Champions, taking over the company. The Outsiders held the World Tag Team Championship from February the 24th, 1997, to October uh of 1997 they lost it briefly after 96 to some shenanigans but bischoff would always find a way to get the titles back around the outsider's waist it was just part of pissing you off because in that during that time bischoff joined the nwo and now you realize how the nwo was able to infiltrate the company to begin with why scott hall was allowed to jump over the rail and not be bothered by security it's because bischoff was in it the whole time um so between that time, they would there face other tag teams like the Steiner Brothers, which they had good feuds with the Steiners, the Nasty Boys, Lex Luger and the Giant, and different combinations of the Four Horsemen. In May 1997, Hall and Nash teamed with Masahiro Chono to defeat the Steiner Brothers and Kenji Muto, better known as the Great Muta, in New Japan oh, Pro yeah. Wrestling, Strong Style Evolution Show at the Osaka Dome. Um, which is a- another awesome note to say that they went over there, and you know, you always hear yeah. about other wrestlers going over there, or WWF doing a tour of Japan. Here, WCW always having a strong relationship for years with New Japan Pro Wrestling, and it's kind of it cool awesome. to see the NWO. It was. Uh, you know, actually, both guys, uh, Masahiro Chono and uh, Great Muta, would become part of the NWO, yeah. um, which is kind of interesting. Uh, the Outsider would also use the free rule to defend their title with Nash and Six. Uh, they would. In, in, uh, substitute six and i should say if nash was out with an injury or hall was out with an injury um hall mostly wrestled singles matches towards the last quarter of 1997 he also won the 60-man battle royal at world war 3 in november of 97 to earn a shot that's a big
0: deal was a big deal
1: yeah to earn a shot at the wcw world heavyweight champion down the road on january 12th 1998 episode of nitro the outsiders defeated the steiner brothers to win the wcw world Team championship for the fourth time Paul also wrestled Larry Zbyszko that month, a week later, I want to say, or two weeks later, at Sold Out of 1998. Sold Larry Out Zabisco. was always a good show. <laughs> Uh, and and a lot of people don't talk about that uh, you because i talked about him being very good friends with larry zabisco earlier zabisco was just a commentator here and they did this cool angle that they sort of like kind of let breathe for like six months where hall would come up and fuck with him at the commentating booth and all that stuff and then the crowd started chanting larry like real loud and all that stuff and he ended up facing i remember that yeah uh yeah um and i want to believe it was a disqualification i want to believe because i think dusty Rhodes
2: turned and cost yeah when he joined the nwo yeah he joined the nwo <laughs> yeah, NW so <laughs> i don't remember that yeah he got on commentator really quick he's all you just flushed your career down the drain kid hey like, yeah, to himself, like yeah. I told Hogan.
1: <laughs> so a lot of people don't talk about the hall and the zabisco feud around this time which was pretty cool actually it was really good and again really unselfish for scott a lot, a lot of athletes would be like i don't want to fight zabisco right he's fucking old and i don't do that but like Paul yeah. was like no we could do some cool stuff you know Hall was always like we'll talk about it i'm sure later when we're it up and talk about what kind of a, a, a what kind of a great wrestling mind he had but he always understood heat he always understood like how to you know it, th- is the crowd responding to that well i'm gonna do that mate that's it's all yeah. for me i'll do it like so it was awesome um scott hall was legitimately taken off tv for a short while and forced by wcw to enter rehab uh during 1997 and early 98 after uh Let's see, after he and Nash showed up at the March 16th, 1998 episode of Nitro, heavily intoxicated under the influence of Why did of Hall killers? always get in
0: trouble and never Nash? That's what I want to know.
1: I think they all just hit it well, and I really, uh, let me take that back. I believe Hall was sick. I don't want to get in a political discussion about what people think about drug addicts. Some people think that it's their choice. Other people understand that it's an illness, and it's, it's once you get uh, attacked, once it grabs you, and it could be a chemical imbalance that hall always had. It could be from that yeah. fateful night when he killed some other person in self-defense. Yep. It could be a combination of everything. Um, yeah. you know, being, being a military brat, being, you know, moving once a year for 15 years, uh, maybe not having a stable home life. I mean, I'm not sure cause I didn't include that in the notes, but I, I think that was also a big deal as well. Um, you know, that it obviously affected his marriages and his life too and stuff. And, uh, so you got to figure, I think that's why it hit him harder. So to answer yeah. your question, Craig, I really believe he was just too much of a spectacle behind the scene. And so I guess, I guess, like I said, him and Nash showed up here at March 16th, the 98 uh, episode of Nitro. But was Nash forced uh, in
0: rehab too?
2: No, just Na- Scott Hall Nash, was. It was probably like Nash probably wasn't as bad, you know, he, yeah. probably, he probably got a little slap on the wrist, but he probably wasn't like where Hall, it, it appeared that it was a big problem and really probably, yeah. uh, you know, affected yeah. his life and, in a very bad way yeah so what do
1: we do when that happens guide we make it an on-screen storyline where scott hall yeah. would show up intoxicated
0: uh which i hate talking about because i think that's a bunch of shit um no it's always worked i think you do it with jake you do it with hawk you do it with <laughs> right hall. it's like, always it's always really worked i mean it's so funny as that a lot of people a lot of people shit solely on bischoff when they forgot that jake
1: roberts and jerry lawler was it the same year no it was 96 jerry uh jerry lawler yeah, and earlier. jake roberts had a feud in 96 where jerry lawler tried to pour jack daniels down his throat because mm-hmm. jake came back and he was talking about you know finding god and he's sober now and all that <laughs> stuff or whatever at
3: slamboree of 1998
1: hall returned a team with kevin nash for a tag team title defense uh, against sting and the giant uh hall turned on nash costing them title and switched sides to align himself with hulk hogan uh, who was part of a splinter faction of the NWO called NWO Hollywood, where Nash was on the side of the NWO Wolf Pack. They had split at this point. Um, on the July 6th episode of Monday Nitro, Hall was handpicked by Hogan to wrestle United States Heavyweight Champion Bill Goldberg uh, in that famous night where Goldberg won the title. If Hall lost the match, Goldberg was going to get a shot at Hogan in the main event later that night, and of course Goldberg won.
3: ...offense is a good defense what <laughs> seeing that for Scott Hall! He put him down. This Back. could be it, this he could be it. Backdrop suplexed him, he's got the cover. They had the cover for only a fleeting one count. But Too that much was, left. But that was as close as anyone's gotten to Goldberg, right there. Now the chance starts. Listen to it.
1: He's trying to shake it off. And I tell you, those are look, you can see
3: in Roxy's head back, those are a hard, heavy hits from Scott Hall. But he's made it to his
0: feet. Oh, he did?
1: <laughs> I went back and I watched that match, and it was really bad. Really no. bad. And of it, it was. was not Hall's fault. I mean, he you watch him try to tame this crazy wild stallion Goldberg. Mm-hmm. It's hard to watch. It really is. Not again, Hall didn't do anything wrong. He was just you see him try to talk to him. You see him try to calm him down, and Goldberg just was so fucking uncooperative. In this match, it's hard to watch like Scott Hall have a bad He's, match, and it was not his fault. I mean, it was Goldberg was absolutely <sighs> fucking terrible. Like in this match, it was really bad. was that? Um, at Starcade 1998, Hall disguised as a, as a security guard, used a stun gun on oh, WCW yeah. World Heavyweight Champion Goldberg, and caused Goldberg to the match. Kevin, Hash, Kevin Nash would pin Goldberg, ending his undefeated streak and winning the WCW Heavyweight Championship. Not seeing the interference, though, Nash capitalized on that, powerbomb, pin Goldberg, so he didn't. He was playing like he didn't know um, at that time. Hall and Nash were aligned again in January of 1999. The two NWO factions rejoined in the famous finger poke of doom Monday Nitro, where everything seemed okay, even though Tony Schiavone gave away the ending to a pre-taped Raw, and it turns out that hundreds of thousands of fans turned over and watched Raw and helped Raw (laughs) with the waitings that night. Uh, Hall would feud with Goldberg at the (laughs) beginning of 1999 and faced him in the ladder match on January 19th at Sold Out. He lost the match when Goldberg ascended the ladder uh, to get the taser and use it on him. Super stupid. Um, At Super Brawl 9, Hall defeated Rowdy Piper for the WCW United States Heavyweight Championship. Shortly after, he suffered a foot injury, which forced him to forfeit the title. Hall was not seen again until October 1999 when he and Kevin Nash began sitting at ringside during WCW television, proclaiming the band was getting back together. It's all a blur here, folks. Just bear with me. White knuckle this. Uh, Hall and Nash team to defeat Bret Hart and Goldberg on the December 13th episode of Monday Nitro, winning the WCW World Tag Team Championship for the sixth time together. Soon afterwards, Hall was injured again, and the tag team title was vacated. After the NWO returned in December of 1999, Hall joined Kevin Nash, Bret Hart, and Jeff Jarrett, (laughs) and Scott Steiner in what was coined... In what was, and what was coined NWO 2000 and their colors were black. And that silver. was the silver,
2: right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah that's that was black was and saying. silver. It was yellow.
1: Hall yeah. uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> huh? fe- feuded with WCW world heavyweight <laughs> champion, Sid vicious and NWO teammate, Jeff Jarrett over the title, Sid pinned hall in a, in a match. So they also had silver t-shirts. t-shirts
0: for NWO 2000, black
2: and it silver. Was,
1: they were all black, but the NWO was in silver, not white.
2: Cause it's 2000. It's futuristic, man. Okay. It was silver. Uh, Sid would pin
1: Hall um, at Super Brawl in February 2000 I in that you?
2: match. You
0: drug addict! Yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> this was this was Hall's last appearance in WCW. This is your
0: last match, Hall. After that, uh,
1: after that, uh, he would actually go to ECW for a cup of coffee. After departing WCW in early 2000, oh, yeah. Hall was inactive for several months. On November 10th, 2000, nah, I- he made a surprise appearance at an Extreme Championship Wrestling house show. I don't he remember worked. any of
0: this he, at he all. Did. I just remember
1: videos and pictures. Teaming he did with Jerry. He teamed with Jerry Lynn and he defeated just incredible and Rhino. Cause I know you have something on this.
2: Yeah. He he's all, there was another, he actually made his debut before that. I don't remember the date specifically. Um, but <clears throat> I think I want to say it was in the ECW arena because on this one, it looked like it was in a high school gym. Yeah. With it was Lynn. Yeah. yeah. And, um, the other one was at the ECW arena. Cause it had the brick entryway and everything. Yeah. Um, so basically, it starts off. You just hear uh, Fuji's ready or not playing, and then he comes out, and that crowd just freaking pops like crazy. He comes out to goes, Fuji's
0: ready or not. Yeah.
2: Yep. Wow. And yeah. that that crowd just goes insane. They're chanting, "Holy shit!" They couldn't believe he was there. He goes in the ring. He does his little, and then they just they get louder. They get even louder when he does that. And he fights actually Big Sally, the big old big old fat dude um, that would always you know interfere in the FBI. You know, the full blooded Italian yeah, with yeah, little Leo. Yeah. He, he fought him, and he actually put him over. He, he got, he, on his debut in ECW, he let Big Sally fucking pin him in the middle of the ring. Uh, now we get into what? the second run with WWF.
1: After WCW had folded, after everything had happened, after all the contracts ran out, six years after ever even being in the WWF, <laughs> Hall returns. February the 17th, 2002, no way out pay-per-view. He was reunited with Kevin Nash and Hollywood God, Hogan. still 20 years repackaged ago. Repackaged vir- to inject yeah, a lethal kills poison. <sighs> Um, into the WWF. uh...
3: Hey, yo. We're not the bad guys. We're fans. We just want the opportunity to work with some of the great WWF superstars but the point is we don't want any trouble
1: they did promo that pay per view doing... um, that was a, a really cool moment uh, it Hall, was... Nash and Hogan all three got pretty big pops uh, oh, it yeah. was the first time that you had seen them since the Monday Night Wars everything was over all, like I said all the purchasing was done um, it was kind of surreal to see them and it was they had a lot of heat in back Because, you know, that award was real to people, you know, especially when WWF was on its ass and in like 96, 97, when NWO was just beating the shit out of WWF and Nitro was killing the ratings. Like there was a lot of nasty shit thrown out by Bischoff. and, And I don't think Hogan Hall and Nash were really violent, not violent, but like nasty towards the company. Um, no. I think they made, they took pot shots, but there's a famous story where Bischoff, you know, remember when Bischoff came and he challenged McMahon on the air, said, yeah, Come yeah. To me at the, join me at the pay-per-view here and fight me for real. And, uh, Hogan was in the limo and he was going over that. And Hogan was the one that spoke up. He's like, uh, I wouldn't do that. And Bischoff said, like, why? That, and he was like, no, Vince will fight you. Vince will kick <laughs> your ass. He will fight you. Like he will not die. He, Hogan, he was even serious. Yeah. He didn't do
2: his brother. Don't do that, brother. He was like, you don't want to do that, brother. That's yeah, well, that's no. not a good idea, brother. he even brother. said he's
1: like Vince would will die before he like files bankruptcy or or admits defeat. Like Vince will never die. Like he's to H- kick your ass, brother. Of all times, you know. So it's I think Hogan Hall and Nash always respected. Uh, yeah. Vince.
2: But yeah, of uh, but
1: the locker room and the atmosphere from the fans, we saw a war right for the whole previous oh, three yeah. or four years. So we saw this war. So to see the NWO back in this ring was crazy. Um, on an episode of Monday Night Raw on February 25th, the NWO would attack Stone Cold Steve Austin. Hall destroyed a cinder block on Austin's leg. I uh, hate that segment. Um, on the March 4th episode of Raw, Hall wrestled his first WWF match since May of 96, defeating Spike Dudley. Um, at WrestleMania Yikes. 18, Hall lost to Stone Cold Steve Austin from his two Stone Cold Stunners. That wasn't a good one, match either. It wasn't really a good match. However, a lot of people downplay Scott Hall's cell of the stunner. I really enjoyed Oh, dude, yeah, no, great. yeah. Two like, stunners, too. Yeah, everybody always gives The Rock credit like yeah. for that, and Rock does an amazing sell, but Hall actually did a really fucking cool sell um, on that what, last what's
0: one. What's the story behind why did they didn't mesh well together? They could not agree on? Well, I think Austin, it was just Austin was Hall, Austin honestly. was hurt here and pissed
1: off, yeah. and uh, Austin, I think, really wanted Hogan when Hogan came back, but The Rock uh, ended up getting Hogan, but, and, and so it was like they gave him to Hall... Then that whole story where Hall was on that, uh, what's that alcohol medication? When you take it, if you take any alcohol, it makes you sick. It's for Yeah, yes. So Scott Hall was on Anabuse and I don't know the logistics of it. Uh, Bruce Pritchard actually makes Conrad really mad when Bruce Prichard sides with Vince on this. They do a vignette uh, that involves alcohol. Um, Stone Cold Steve Austin ends up stunning Hall in the ring and then pouring beer all over his face.
0: Yeah. And
1: uh, Hall said that the company knew that he was on Adderall. But uh, everybody else said he never told us that. So it's a whole controversy thing here where you have a recovering alcoholic in here on a drug that makes it to where you violently get ill and throw up if any alcohol touches your lips. Uh, And then Austin's pouring beer on his face. Even though Conrad's point was, even even if you didn't know he was on this medication, you knew he was a recovering alcoholic. Why work in dumping alcohol on his face into a gimmick ever, ever, ever? And of course... Uh, uh, Bruce Pritchard was being a dick about it, and then that they wow. actually had a legit fight, which was awesome. Um, but anyway, uh, uh, he did lose to Austin. Uh, they tried to get Hall in there. Austin wasn't game. Let's be honest; it, it didn't work out for a few reasons. It didn't work out because Hall uh, was probably yeah. not the best Hall that you could offer. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then yeah. Austin was not into it at all. You and have not
2: grouchy Austin cool. too. Well, you know, yeah, you have grouchy funny. Austin, yeah, I went. I went back and I like watched. You know, from like that point, like when they came in. The matches that he was having against guys like Crash, like he actually had a really good match with uh, Crash Holly on SmackDown. And Spike Dudley, we were uh, talking about Spike Dudley was cool. Spike too. Dudley as well, yeah. He had a good yeah. match, um, but uh, yeah, I think he more squashed Spike. But anyways, uh, what I was trying to say is like from that match and on, you know, because he was involved with like Stone Cold versus you know him versus Stone Cold at WrestleMania. There was like tag matches with Stone Cold and The Rock versus the NWO, different variations right. of the NWO. It, it, all Hall was really doing throughout each match was he was punching. Chopping, fall away slam, punching, chopping right. he wasn't really doing anything. He except for the Crash Holly match. The Crash Holly match was fucking awesome, actually. But uh but yeah, like you could tell it, it was more like Scott Hall was just kind of phoning it in at that yeah. point. And and he was probably still, you know, whether he was on that drug or not, or if if he was, he was you know, he was probably still doing something else. It just didn't And he if just you, didn't if look he wasn't healthy. on
0: drugs, he was probably in pain twenty four seven. going we We're gonna too. talk exactly. about
1: uh, a famous plane ride, which I think answers yeah. all those questions. uh, yeah. So at the end of WrestleMania, when Hogan lost to the rock, the NWO came out and attacked Hogan, effectively kicking Hogan out of the group. Um, Then on May 5th, on a flight back from England, following a tour um, of the, involving the insurrection pay-per-view, which was a United Kingdom only pay-per-view at the time, uh, back to the United States. uh, This plane was called, dubbed the plane ride from hell. Hall became incredibly intoxicated on this flight. There were allegations against Hall. Um, I don't, you know, again, we're talking about his passing and stuff. We're talking about his legacy. Yeah.
3: There was uh, yeah.
1: allegations against him that were ultimately dismissed, I think, or settled out of court. Uh, yeah, it even says right here the case was ultimately settled out of court. Uh, Hall's last appearance for the company was the following night on Raw, wrestling in a six-man tag with Big Show and X-Pac against Austin Bradshaw and Flair, which ended in a no contest, of course. Uh, he was released from the promotion the following day due to ongoing issues stemming from his substance abuse. So sad. Uh, he would go to TNA and various promotions out there. Hall wrestled for TNA part-time between the years of 2002 and 2010. He would team with Nash on and off, even being reunited with Hogan and Bischoff in 2010, even winning the TNA tag team championships at a time there with Nash. During this time, he would returned also to WWC in Puerto Rico, uh, which is when he toured earlier in his early career. We talked about earlier. He also debuted for Juggalo Championship Wrestling during this That's... time. Um, hmm. WWE a, a, a payday man. And he's a name, he's a name, you know.
3: Uh, WWE Hall about- of
1: Fame on March the 24th of 2014, Razor Ramon was announced as the seventh and final inductee into that year's class, of the WWE Hall of Fame. He was inducted in New Orleans on April 5th, uh, the night before WrestleMania 30. Shawn Michaels, Triple H, X Pac, and Kevin Nash joined Hall on stage after a speech, reuniting the clique. WWF promotional material for the event referred to him solely as Razor Ramon without footage or mention of his work under his real name. Um, I think I think that's because later they were going to induct him as Scott Hall in the NWO, but I could be wrong. I think Vince knew then we're eventually going to induct the NWO. Let's just do Razor Ramon here at this point, because if people do remember, I think it was the next year or a couple years later, uh, Kevin Nash was put in as Diesel. So I think they had a plan for re-inducting yeah. him later. I yeah, think so we, after the first induction, they knew Hall was going to be a two-time Hall. Yeah,
0: of what WrestleMania was San Francisco? Uh, 31.
1: Thirty-one. Yeah. That was, the NWO, or that was the NWO. No, it wasn't. Actually, NWO was like two years ago. I, it was during yeah, the pandemic. Yeah, NWO ago. was two years ago. Yeah. Uh, at WrestleMania oh, so th- that, so I think when, 31 when... was Nash. I think 31 was Nash, Craig. Sorry, 31 was Nash. Okay. So the next year, Nash went in as Diesel. Sorry, sorry. You were correct. Uh, at WrestleMania 30, Hall as Razor Ramon appeared on stage with other Hall of Famers and other inductees to uh, get the accolades from the crowd. Uh, Cuz is super annoyed. <laughs> And because all everybody's doing is playing Razor Ramon's Hall of Fame speech over and over again or quoting it and it drives guys crazy. <laughs> no, I do uh, no, i mean, you're not annoyed it. in the fact that they're you disrespect the hall, but it's fucking crazy, you're yeah. right. Like every time I go on Instagram or any other place, it's like every fucking post is the quote from his Hall of Fame. It's the quote down. Yeah. And you're just the guy who was the writer for the WWF back then, he posted after Hall Scott Hall died and said I was the guy who wrote his speech. Uh so he was like Scott Hall came to me immediately and said, "Man, i want my speech to be short everybody drones on out here he's like i want my speech to mean something and i don't want to drone on out here so that's cool he he said scott hall already came with bullet points he's like i just basically put it together for him it was all scott hall and scott hall knew from the start he did not want and then he said if you go back and look at replays they cut him out getting emotional but there was a lot of times in that speech where he would break down and kind of lose it a little bit and then shake his head and get back into it because he was really emotional because every sentence meant something cuz Hall purposely wanted it to be short
0: Keep it short purpose. Yeah. And I'm like, so saying, I felt like that well, was I, really... when I went, when I met Sean in 95. You you Sean remembers, Sean remembers the
2: legacy of Rick Flair on his Hall of Fame speech. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: so I, I I admire Hall for that. Uh, he appeared on the August 11th 2014 episode of Raw for the first time since 2002 to reunite the New World Order with Kevin Nash and Hulk Hogan on uh, <laughs> Hulk Hogan's uh, stupid birthday celebration. Uh Scott Hall uh-huh. was inducted again to the WWE Hall of Fame as a member of the New World Order, uh, as part of the Hall the class of 2020, 2020, which was also booked together with 2021 due to the the pandemic. Two times uh, they crammed it together. So two time Hall of Famer. He went in as Razor Ramon as a singles wrestler and went in as Scott Hall as a part of the N.W. Hull.
2: Um, we new, get into new, health the
1: new,
0: and- new World Order. <laughs> We get into health ooh, and personal ooh, issues ooh. here. Uh,
1: Hall's problems with drugs and alcohol were made public in the late 90s and were incorporated into a controversial WWE storyline in 1998 like we talked about. While the storyline was playing out, Hall was legitimately arrested uh, for keying a limousine while intoxicated and outside of a nightclub in Orlando, Florida, uh causing $2,000 in damages. That's it. it came, oh, yeah, come on. Really they fucking Come on. Uh, I released SmackDown.
0: What's the problem? <laughs> after
1: <his> re- <laughs> They poured concrete in a fucking Corvette for crying Seriously. out loud. Uh, after his release from TNA in 2010, Hall checked into rehab, paid for by the WWE. Hall checked out of the rehab facility in early October of 2010. Uh, weeks after he checked into rehab, Hall uh, both had a defibrillator and a pacemaker implanted in his chest. He was hospitalized twice in 2010 for double pneumonia. During this time, Hall started having seizures and was soon diagnosed with epilepsy, resulting him uh, requiring to take 11 different medications on a daily basis. To treat his heart and seizure problems. On April 6th. 2011 Hall was reportedly taken to the hospital. Due to a seizure. Hall's representative. Uh, I don't, I'm not going to say that name. Uh, said Hall was in the hospital that night. And needed to be tremuli- needed to be treated. Anech. For extremely low blood pressure. And Hall visits the doctor on a regular basis. While recovering from double pneumonia. Oh, um, Gina for regular food. And uh, uh, blood checkups. Uh, three days later on TMZ, they reported Hall had been taken to the hospital, treated for cardiac issues, and remained in the hospital for three days. According to medical reports, Hall was being treated after overdosing on both opioids and ben-, ben... I have no idea. Benzo- Benzodiazepines, yeah. Shit.
2: Yeah. It's benzo- a-, a pretty insane drug. F- uh,
1: <laughs> longtime friend Kevin Nash claimed uh, Hall's substance abuse stemmed from the uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, which I think attributed to the murder you know when he was defending himself the yeah degree uh, secondary murder uh in march 2022 hall was hospitalized for fa- falling and breaking his hip after hall underwent hip surgery a uh, blood clot was d- uh, dislodged resulting in him suffering three heart attacks on march 12th 2022 after which he was put on life support um as we read from an early tweet from kevin nash a day before he passed uh, his family agreed to assemble at the hospital to say goodbye to him. And they all agreed to take him off life support. Uh, he passed away on March 14th of 2022. So that's why we're doing this episode here, uh, to, you know, it's hard to read a lot of the stuff you it know, is. That he went through. Um, what do you say? And nobody knows what he, what was in his head. Nobody knows. Yeah, how exactly. He lived. That's what say. It's Especially easy to if shit alone. on somebody who abuses drugs and stuff like that. It's, it's really easy to do that. Um, and then on top of that, you know, we, we've talked about this off, off uh, uh, record. He was a prankster and he also was a shitster. You know, he was famous for yeah. going in the back with Kevin Nash and they would purposely say out loud in the whole locker room full of mid card wrestlers that are just fucking struggling to make it man. Kev, were you disappointed that your WrestleMania payoff was only 300 grand? Me too. You know, like they did that shit all, all the time. They're shitsters. I was talking to cuz before we hit record Um, in their contracts They had like a a progressive clause in their contract, which means if a a similar talent of their ilk came into the company and got more money than them, they would get a certain percentage raise to close the gap. So basically, like when Bret Hart got hired at the end of 97 for like $3 million a year for three years, which was a total of a $9 million contract, they're like, bring them on because they knew that they would get a raise. They would purposely go and get people like Scott Steiner and Chris Jericho and all those guys all riled up in the locker room. Yeah, you should. You should go ask Easy e for a raise. You absolutely should, knowing that if any of them got raises and it in, encroached their percent agreement, they would get a raise on top of it. You do hear stories like that. And you get a little oh fucking, what a dick, you know? But at the same time, we also talk about the great stuff that he did, uh, How what a smart mind he had and how unselfish he was um, that losing to the kid. Losing to that guy in ECW, like Cuz said. Uh, he, I want to say he lost to one of the... the didn't he lose in WCW to one of the Lucha guys? It was part of a storyline, but he ended up taking a pinfall from one of those guys too. Like, Hall was always... Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head he what just, it was. But, uh, but he, he did was that. Selfless, he he was always doing that. He was always doing stuff like that. I think Scott Hall mm-hmm. um, sold you a lot in the locker room. And made you think a certain way about him on purpose. Because he was a lot smarter than what people thought he was. Um, oh, yeah scott hall you know uh, uh craig i don't know if you want to say anything here or you want to wait until i do the accomplishments and uh championships
0: um yeah do the championships No, all I'll but, yeah, say all uh, oh. uh, he also has a son cody hall which who i don't know who he's yes. doing but he spent a couple of years trying to mentor him and i think they've they had a, a a bit of a fracturous relationship back and forth but i hope that um he's i hope cody's doing well and i hope he succeeds and i hope um he, he just announced he's taking bookings again taking bookings um yeah. so the legacy kind of continues with him um so again i hope it, scott hall is not alone we talk every single week and every podcast about um the tragedies of everything that 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 dedicates their life to the sport and he was not alone uh but scott had a great mind happened to be around some of the greatest moments in wrestling um and gets a bit of a, a a bit of a bad rap um, when it comes to just kind of talking about the gossip and the drug addiction. He was one of the worst, but highs and lows in recovery and DDP and getting recovery and really good years of sobriety and then still being there and having a great mind for the business and helping. And it it was always fun. I'll never forget seeing him for his speech. He looked healthy. He had a bit of a gray hair. It reminds me of Jess's picture behind him. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I just want to remember him kind of that way and then at, at his best in WrestleMania 10 and when I loved him and when he was at his best and fully engaged in doing it. So um, yeah, he was fantastic.
1: Championship percent
0: accomplishments. He was
1: a W a tag team champion with Kurt Henning. He was TNA tag team champion with Kevin Nash in WCW. He was world television champion. He was the United States championship uh, two times. Uh, he won the WCW tag team championship seven times. Six with Nash, one with the Giant. He was a WWF Intercontinental Champion four times. Uh, He's a (laughs) two-time WWE Hall of Famer. Pro Wrestling Illustrated, he was the most improved wrestler for 1992. He won Match of the Year against Shawn Michaels in the ladder match WrestleMania 10 in 1994. He was also Tag Team of the Year with Kevin Nash in 1997. The Wrestling Observer Newsletter, he won Match of the Year against Shawn Michaels ladder match 1994, WrestleMania 10. And he won best gimmick of 1996 as part of the NWO. Yeah. Um, I That's can't good. add anything else that you guys uh, haven't added already. I uh, will never forget the one two three kid uh, thing on Monday Night Raw. Yeah. Um. Scott, I will never forget Razor Ramon, the vignettes. I will also never forget him walking down those stairs on that episode of Monday Nitro oh, in '96 yeah. and changing everything. Uh, yeah. Long before Hogan turned heel, uh, long before anything else like that, you know, the 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 blackened. <sighs> you know, the Wolfpack and all that stuff. Scott Hall had, he kicked it all off by walking down those stairs. I'll never forget that.
0: Yeah, and Cuz, I don't think you've given a little wrap-up. Like, you're a gener- generation behind us. What are your, like, final thoughts on Scott?
2: You wrap it up, Cuz, your last comment here. That's, uh, yeah. That's that's my childhood right there. Um, I know I always say that when, it, especially when, you know, it's like the early 90s going into the, the new generation and the Attitude Era, but Ray Razor, that's, like I said, that's that's one of my first wrestling t-shirts actually i think that was my very first wrestling t-shirt that i ever got yeah uh was razor Ramon from uh the magazines the wf magazines but yeah man he's so influential and uh i i think uh i think i didn't say it on this episode i said uh, um on the episode i just recorded before we got on uh that he checks off all the boxes legacy trendsetter ahead of his time um i, I think who, who just said it the other day was it was it dallas page or 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 Bret Hart or no Jericho, I think it was Jericho the greatest the greatest to never win in the championship ever.
1: yeah we never touched or, on that. He never won yeah. any version won a, of the WWE championship. championship. Not one. Yeah. Fucking exactly. crazy. Fucking crazy.
2: It, the type of human being he was. Um like I said that I know there's all the the demons and all that stuff but like the thing I'm going to always remember is how he how he was remembered as like a family man, how he was with uh, fans and kids, how he treated them, how he was just a good guy and then how he was selfless in the ring with other wrestlers, whether he was listening to their ideas, giving them ideas or putting them over. What what more can you say? He was the perfect pro wrestler, you know? Yeah. Radio we're going to miss him.
0: Give us a listen on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Stitcher. I think Jess was going to say something. Google Podcast. Mm-hmm.
2: Jess. Sorry, I thought, Jess was, I thought you were about to say something. No, I just, I said we're going to miss him. <laughs> oh, gotcha. sorry. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, Dave. I mean, Craig.
0: Watch the videos on YouTube at our wrestling channel, social media. Give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at OWP 2019, Facebook, our wrestling podcast. Uh, this was fun. Uh, this was timely and relevant. Hope you guys enjoyed it too. And uh, hope his memory, I don't think will it, it won't fade. I think there it, it's still, there, a lot of memes are still out there and a lot of people still love him and will still remember him. So, um, but I think it was important. We did this on the week that he passed. It's relevant. So, all right. We're to clip podcast? the play right here.
2: Yeah. Peace out, everybody. Bad guys, <laughs> bad times. <laughs> you
3: know. Work pays off. Dreams come true. Bad times don't last, but bad guys do.